Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inspire Club. Um, this podcast is supported by Waggle. Uh, Waggle is an agile employee voice platform that measures and truly improves engagement. Uh, thanks again for their continued support. Um, so straight into our guest, uh, Scott McInnes, um, who heralds from Scotland um, and is a genius when naming businesses and podcasts, uh, inspiring change. Uh, great, great words having a business name, I think, there. Um, a passionate internal communicator and engagement professional who believes that people at the heart of business success. Uh, at his core, help is he helps leaders and organizations to communicate with their people in a way that is engaging, authentic, and human. So in that regard, I really think um, we're, we're kindred spirits. So w- welcome, Scott. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's lovely to be here a week out from Christmas. Um, things are on the things are on the rundown, so it's nice to actually get some time to have a bit of a chat and maybe reflect on some of the things that we both stand for. So uh, looking, looking forward to the chat. Uh, yeah, me, me too. And as you say, for, for such a diabolical year in many ways, it, it's absolutely flown by. Uh, so I can't believe we're quite at Christmas. So um, absolutely crazy. And I was only saying to my wife the other day, how is it that it seems that every other day is Thursday? <laughs> yeah. It's always tomorrow is Friday. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And, and here we are at the end of the year. It did, it did. Um, and yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so look, let's get straight into it. Um, our, our first and only role of Inspire Club is is for you, our guest, to, to share an, a story of somebody who's inspired you along the way and, and, and how they did it. Yeah, I think I'm going to turn. I, had, I was really hard to pick one person because there have been so many people that have inspired me on my career um, to date through through everything that I've done here in Ireland, where I'm based now, and, and prior to that in the UK. I think probably the one person I'll pick out kind of head and shoulders above above most of them is Anth Burrows, my former boss and head of internal communications and engagement in AIB when I was there. And, you know, lots of organizations talk about engagement and we talk about what leaders need to do. And we talk about the role, the really important role that leaders play in creating really, really engaged teams and and really engaged workplaces. But he personified that, you know, he, he didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk and he was somebody who knew what needed to be done. And like many financial services organizations, you know, the culture was not open to that type of thinking necessarily, but he just kept banging on the door and banging on the door and banging on the door until the door opened up and the organization got on board. And as a result, as he knew and as we knew, the difference that it would make was phenomenal. And it did. Um, over the period of four years, you know, engagement grew from 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 being on the floor to being somewhere up near what Gallup might call world class. And, you know, it just felt like a different place to be. And a lot of that was his tutelage and his leadership of our team and how he conducted himself with the broader organization. So he's the person that I'd probably, I'd probably stick on that pedestal. Well, and thank you very much for, for inspiring Scott. And, you know, in, in, what way was he inspiring in a sense? Because just, just listening to you now, was, was it the courage of, of, of his convictions that he knew this would work? He had the team behind him, he'd bang on that door and, and take that risk? Because it's a huge risk, isn't it? If you're pushing people to do something and get, getting permission to do it, but you better, if you don't have that environment where you're allowed to fail and fail often, which we were talking about the other day, it's a huge risk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think for me it was a combination of courage, of humility, of knowing that he didn't have all the answers at all. 
um, but knowing to ask the right questions to find out the right answers um, of empowerment so that we all knew what needed to get done. And despite the fact that, you know, for the past, obviously, eight or nine months, we've been working from wherever we've been working. You know, I'm lucky to be working in a lovely log cabin at the back of my garden. Lots of other people are sitting on their beds in their bedrooms working, um, which is tough. Uh, but he, from the very off, said, look, I don't really mind where you work from. It could be home, it could be the office, it could be Barbados or Budapest. I don't really care. Um, because we all know we have a shared idea and a shared understanding of what needs to get done. And once we have that as a team, where you are doesn't really bother me. He was not one that, that expected people to come and sit in front of him to know that you're doing your job. Um, and that's, that was tough in a culture like that. And, and when was this? Does this give, give some a kind of um, distinction of time? That was 12, 2012. I joined there to 2017. So 10 years ago almost, uh, creating world-class employee engagement experiences within, within an organization saying, I trust you, I empower you, you can work from anywhere. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and make it happen for sure. There you go. If anybody needs any proof that don't retreat after this pandemic goes away to not having flexible working, trusting your people and empowering them to do the job you've hired them for, this is a Scott story. <laughs> um, that's that's fantastic. Um, sorry, just it's just one of my passions there. Just just trust people you work with um, and treat them like an adult. Um, so. Uh, we actually were talking about this uh, briefly before we jumped on uh, inadvertently. But what, what's your, what's your purpose? What's your what's your why on a daily basis? So really interesting. I was only having a chat with my coach about this a couple of weeks ago, and what I've boiled it down to is that I create connections. I connect people, and I've always found you know I I run a, like you. I run a podcast, and every time I come off one of those conversations, I'm always buzzing. Every time I come off a conversation where I've said, oh, Matt, you should speak to Jimmy, this guy who does X, Y, and Z, I get a little buzz. When I'm up on stage at a conference or, or a speaking opportunity or in front of a, you know, a group with a client and connecting them to their story or to each other or helping them to tell stories, that gives me a real buzz. And, and, and it's a physiological buzz. and feel when it happens. So you know you've had that good day. And for me, that good day is about creating connections. And that's kind of then a waterfall into what we do at Inspiring Change, because it's exactly that as well. It's creating connections, helping our clients to create connections between their people and their strategy, their people and their purpose, their people and their change programs, and between, through storytelling, between their people you know, peer-to-peer. Um, what does really good look like in our company? What do our values look like when we're really acting them out day-to-day? So for me, that whole idea of creating connections is really powerful. And I think the real sweet spot, I think for anybody, is where you can find that overlay between your own purpose and your work purpose. And if you can get that right, then the sky's the limit. You know, it's, 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 it's energy, energy all the way. Uh, absolutely. We were talking to somebody... Uh, about fulfillment, uh, a man called Aaron Hurst, who was in our summer series. And yeah, it's, again, things so, seem so simple. Identify what makes you feel, you know, a physiological reaction, for goodness sake. Uh, you should do more of uh, if it makes you feel that way. Um, and I, I, I can relate to that. Uh, I've said on my on previous recording that some of my, my best moments in life and at work are the end of a day where we've put on an event where we've been connecting people like yourself um, and I'm kicking back with the team 
with a beer and a pizza, a slice of pizza, and we're just all so proud of what we've done and, and the work we've done. And it, it, there's the, there's relief and pride, and it, it feels fantastic. And it's trying to recreate those experiences. Um, and also, actually, sometimes weirdly, the the lows that follow it, because you've, it's been such a great high that you then have to get yourself back up again and, and, and keep moving forward. But um, thanks so much for for sharing that. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I, I know I do. Um, a massive question now in, in the sense of you've probably had so many of them, but what's one of your best experiences you've ever had during your working life and, and why? God, there are literally so many to pick from. So, so many. It was really hard to find one, but actually the one that I picked was for a client actually quite recently. Because I think sometimes they're the ones that, you know, when you reach the ripe old age of 47, it's the more recent stuff that you tend to remember. Um, so, you know, one recently I was I was working with a client here in Ireland and I had, I'd pitched them a corporate narrative. They were going through change. They were an organization that had been around a long time going through change. And I said, a corporate narrative could really help. Um, there was a wee bit of cynicism and pushback, but the CEO said, no, let's go for it. Um, we went through the process. We involved their people. We involved their management team. We wrote the story. We got the story. You know, we, we got a really nice graphical illustration of the story. And then the, the big job was bringing that to life for the team, presenting it to the team and, and telling them why we had done this story giving them the story. And, and I said to each of the presenters, it was a five-chapter story. We had five presenters from their leadership team. And I said, I really want you to bring yourself out. I want to know how this makes you feel. And as you go through each chapter, I want you to read off the chapter, but I also want you to tell me how it makes you feel. And one of them said, yeah, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm ready to do my, my rehearsal. I've got some bullet points off the website and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read those out. And I said, no, 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 that's not what I want. I don't want you to read bullet points off the website. I want you to tell me how it makes you feel. What do you, what do you mean feel? Well, feel. Does it make you feel proud, angry, disgusted, amazed? You know, how, how does it make you feel? And so this, we went, we went on and we did some coaching and we made some, you know, they did some run-throughs and, and the event on the day was amazing. And the CEO came to me after and said to me, I don't know what you did to them, but whatever you did to them, was amazing. They were like different people. And I think, again, back to that connecting people, you know, creating connections, that's what that was about, helping those people on the stage to connect on a more human level, on a more emotional level with the people sitting in the audience. And that, for me, is it, it, it gives me a sense of huge pride. That's fantastic. And in the, in the sense of they were different people, was it because they were just being themselves in, in some respects, because they were actually allowing them to communicate feelings and emotions within the workplace, do you think? Is, is that why? Because sometimes we always, a lot of us hold back. There's like two two of us. There's a work us and a home us. Yeah, yeah. I think it is that. I think it was them. I think it was them coming out of their shell, them being a bit different, them presenting a different side to themselves. And what's interesting, actually, because you could flip the coin and the cynic might argue and say, well, you know, you talk about, you know, leaders being authentic. And if you're asking them to be something they're not comfortable being, then does that mean they're being inauthentic? And the answer to that, I believe, is no. All I've done is help them to bring out another side of themselves that, as you say, maybe they've actually, you know, gotten into the habit of leaving at the front door before they walk into the office. Yeah. Well, well, one of, one of my big uh, passions is to try and create as many psychologically safe cultures around the world. Um, be who you are, wherever you are, with no fear of, 
of who you are, <laughs> uh, quite simply. And um, uh, stuff stuff like that, I, I, lo- I love hearing. Um, the more we can connect with one another on just a, an individual basis of our true selves, it's gonna. I just think it has the positives um, for for the world of work and beyond are just enormous. So um, I love hearing stories like that. So thank you for sharing. Um, what what right now? In your, in your expert opinion, what's one of the major workplace priorities? Uh, I think planning for 2021. And, you know, I am just the archetypal, you know, the glass is half full. Uh, I am not. In fact, in fact, you know, I'm probably the archetypal, the glass is fully full. It's just <laughs> only half full. It's just half full with liquid. The rest is air. So it's, it's fully full with something. Um, this year has been, let's be honest, a bit crappy. People have lost their jobs. People have died. People haven't seen their loved ones. People have missed being at their baby's births. People have missed birthday parties. My dad was 70. That was all cancelled. There's loads of stuff that's been really, really emotionally hard. But I do think, and I am a firm believer, that every cloud has a silver lining. And I think that what we need to do now is look at what we can take out that was good from 2020 and use that to push us forward in 2021. And that's something that Inspiring Change we're actively doing. What are the things now that we think people might need in order to help them, for example, get around this kind of carnage of flexible workforce? How does that work? You know, what are organizations going to need to help them harness that and get the benefit from that, while at the same time making sure that their people feel supported and part of a team and part of the bigger culture and that culture is not eroded and all those good things. Um, so I think that whole idea of looking at the stuff that's worked is really important and seeing how can we harness that. You know, we talked before we came on about, you know, a lot of a lot of events and training moving to online. <clears throat> And you could say, well, you know, you're not getting the face-to-face interaction. You know, it's not the same. It's not this, that, and the other. My day-long course doesn't work online. Change it then. Don't make it a day-long online course. Make it four sessions of two hours because that's going to be more palatable for people anyway. Um, So how can you change things up and actually increase your reach? You know, my wife is a Pilates instructor. She taught in one of the community centers in a church hall here near where we live. She's now got people online. We moved her whole business online in five days. She's got people in Germany, in Manchester, in London, in Scotland, in the south side of the city here in Dublin, people that would never have come to her classes before, but have heard about how good she is, and they now can. So for her, that's a real upside. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Is there any 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 tips you'd share from your own experiences about how how people and organizations are going to be able to combat the, the challenges of flexible and remote, remote working? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, look, we, we point the finger at the people, leaders and organizations all the time, but they really are, for me, the linchpins. They are the glue that holds the organization and, and people together. And, you know, they've got a huge role to play. The trouble is the organizations don't necessarily put their leadership role above their, what you might call, day-to-day job or technical role. Um, So I think that organizations need to give leaders way more flexibility to be leaders and to not necessarily be lawyers or IT people or HR people or risk people or whatever job they do, because they're the ones that have to pick up the phone. How are you getting on? Be much more focused on output um, and outcomes rather than people sitting at a desk. Be more open to trusting. Be more open to picking up the phone. How are you getting on? Not ringing with an agenda. You know, we've got three things to get through. Just ringing up and saying, Matt, how are you? Just call to check in and see how you are. All those things, those little tiny things are really important. And making sure that people look out for each other. 
that you know if we've got a team if we if we are on a team and you know Sarah's struggling a wee bit or you've got a sense that she was from a phone call you were on with her or she's missed a couple of things but that person rings you and says Matt Sarah's in a bit of you know I think she's not in a great place will you give her a ring or send her a bunch of flowers or send her a voucher to go to a coffee shop or send her a little thing just to say hello you know and that's and that can make a huge difference for people yeah I, I 100% agree and I love the uh, the idea of the silver linings as well um massive fan of the trying to take the positive out of the negative and um, Silver Linings is a lovely way of doing that. Um, if anybody hasn't seen the Silver, Silver Linings playbook, the film, I would highly recommend it too, by the way. Um, it's, it's an awesome film. Um, and again, this is this is probably, probably got so much of it along the way, but what's the best advice uh, you were ever given? Who is it from? And um, can you share it with us? Yes. So I'm going to give you two if I can. Please, definitely. The first one... The first one is my granny, who died in 1994. She was 84. Um, and she didn't say a whole lot, but when she did say things, they were kind of insightful and useful, and they just kind of stuck in your head. And one of the things she said to me was, what's for you won't pass you. So if there's something that's for you, you'll absolutely get it. And if that thing isn't for you, then you won't get it. And I think we mope and worry about things that haven't happened I didn't get that job. I didn't get that house. I didn't marry that person. That other person broke up with me. What's for you won't pass you. I think it puts you right in the moment and just makes you realize. I said it only to a friend of mine the other day who's looking to change jobs and was a bit pissed off because nothing's really happened. And I said, but you're in the middle of a global pandemic and you've got a really big job and looking for a job is another job. So it's no wonder that you haven't got another job yet because the whole world's a bit crazy. But trust me, what's for you won't pass you. You know, it will come along. It might just take a little longer. And I am, you know, people think I'm soft in the head when I say this, but I am a huge believer in serendipity. I do think that things happen for a reason. Um, So that would be my first one. And then my second one, a little closer to home and a little more recently, was Brendan Foley, who's a coach um, and and a facilitator that I know here in Dublin. And back three years ago, I met him for a chat um, when I was just setting up Inspiring Change. And he said to me, to be really successful in business, you need to be an inch wide and a mile deep. <laughs> and, yeah. in, and, in the, and, and, and that's what we both do when you think about it. You know, inspiring workplaces is about a very niche thing. Inspiring change is about internal communications, engagement, leadership, and culture, a very niche area. I've turned away more work than I've, that I've taken because it's not within the niche that I want to play in. I want to be known for being really good at this stuff to be the go-to guy. And you don't become the go-to guy by being an inch deep and a mile wide, by doing everything for anybody, you know, by, by, by being a jack of all trades. So I really took that advice to heart and it's really stuck with me. Yeah, no, I'm sort of thinking about that very deeply already, actually. That's an incredible uh, piece of advice. Um, just And also reminded me that I need to go listen to your interview with Jamie Heaslip, um, who's one of my heroes. So uh, yeah, he was great. And actually, Brandon Brandon Foley was on the podcast as well. So he's you'll hear him talk about that um, on on his podcast episode. Definitely be listening to that one as well. But yeah, he's he's one of my heroes. But what's what's for you won't pass you. What's for you won't pass you. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, really. Thank thank you for sharing that. I think um, a lot of people are going to get get a lot of benefit from those pieces of advice so thank you um um oh yeah well maybe maybe uh i I won't preempt this but pilates might help but what the times we're living through you know what do you do to beat stress i cycle 
I'm very lucky where I live. I'm, I'm, I'm in North Dublin. I'm right beside the sea. Um, we've got one of the only hills, just Hoth Hill here right beside us um, is one of the only hills around here. So I, I do laps of the hill or I go out and do, uh, do a few kilometers. I did a, a charity cycle thing for a friend of mine in September or October and cycled a thousand kilometers in the month. Um, so I was out every morning doing a 45K lap. I think I did that 26 times and I sea swim. And I find sea swimming, I've actually written a couple of blogs about it on the website, and I find sea swimming is is very therapeutic because all you're thinking is left arm, right arm, breathe, left arm, right arm, breathe. And and you, you truly are, you know, we talk a lot about mindfulness and being in the moment, but you kind of truly are because if you're not, you'll drown. <laughs> so you have to kind of be, you have to kind of be in the moment. But I find that to be, you know, we're, we're very lucky where we live. And I often say to the guys when we're out in the sea, just look around you. And look how lucky we are to be here. And, you know, that's a, that for me is a, a huge source of, of stress relief. Well, it must be brave as well, because it, it must be a, it must be a bit nippy in the, uh, <laughs> in the Irish Sea. It must be a bit cold. It definitely is now, but, you know, summertime, it'll get up to 17 degrees. So you're kind of going in, in uh, just in, in, in trunks and it's fine. But no, I'm, I'm, I'm a wetsuit swimmer normally. I've, I've, uh, I, I, I did some of the sea, uh, sea swimming in, in, in Australia when I lived there for a few years, and it wasn't that my, I didn't, I didn't get that in a calm because I was going left, left arm, right arm, brave shark. <laughs> just, oh, exactly, or jellyfish, yeah, <laughs> or crocodile. Yeah, what's going to come, come on me now? So, um, but no, that's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. So, so some sort of exercise is is a, a, a really good way to just de-stress. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, I think probably the last last uh, work focused question I think really would be um, what's the most important quality in a leader in your opinion? Honesty. Honesty. Yeah, I okay. think that leaders have to be able to honestly share. It's a two way street as well, but leaders have to be able to honestly share with their teams where things are at, what needs to get done, um, how they're going to get it done, things going on in the organisation as far as they can, um, be able to give feedback honestly and openly and people on the team being able to take that feedback um you know i think that's a huge one for me i think yeah just just honesty is a thing because we know that honesty builds trust and we know that trust is very low in organizations and we know that trust takes ages to build and it's eroded in half a second uh you know the first time the person lies to you oh this is totally what's going to happen and it doesn't you know oh no I, i went and told sarah jimmy bob about x y and z and then you check and they didn't that's that that it tends to erode that trust very quickly so for me honesty is is chief among probably a very long list of, of leadership traits but building trust to t- took the words right out of my mouth and I, th- I think in a society right now where where honesty um you know in the world of you know fake news and not fake news i think it can be a positive surprise to be honest to, to a lot of people um so actually if you're honest um right now uh with both people inside and outside of work, um, I think it can, it can have huge positive benefits. Um, so I, I think people's expectations have been lowered so much when it comes to trust now that um, actually being a good good person um, can, can reap real, real rewards. So um, you don't need to have that, mind you, to be a good person, but it can have big impact. Um, 
Actually, one, one last work question. Um, what's your go-to productivity trick? I think we all need advice when it, needs to, when it comes to productivity. I don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't struggle from time to time on that front. Uh, there is not an app. There's not a website. There's not anything electronic. It's a, it's a, a and, I'm not, I, and I'm not 93 years old. I'm only 47, but it is a book and a pencil. And I write a list of what I have to get done and I do the list uh, because I do forget stuff. There's a lot of things going on and things pop into my head and I try not to get kind of off if I'm doing some writing or if I'm doing a presentation or doing something else, I try not to kind of get off that. I try to tend to stay focused on that. So I'll just scribble down the thing that I've that's popped into my head and I know I can come back to it later. And I've recently, uh, I've, I've recently moved to a whiteboard as well. Um, so I have a whiteboard sitting on my desk. Uh, which is like a, a technological step up from a from a paper book. Uh, so yeah, write a list and then do, uh, write the list, do the list. That would that would be my productivity trick. I de- definitely feel like I'm talking to somebody. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm must be a distant relation or something because uh, I, I, I'm the same. Uh, uh, I can I hear you on this front. Uh, I try things like Asana and these different task websites, but I keep coming back down to uh, either bits of paper or a book. And I did come across on one of my Facebook ads because I swear your phone's listening to you now. Um, there's actually a tablet that you ro- it's like a paper pad and it gets uploaded. So, but they're five hundred dollars, I think. And I'm thinking it's a big leap from just a pad and a paper. It's doing it. It's done me well, <laughs> done me well for the past twenty years. So, um, but yeah, I, I keep going back to the pen and paper. And I'm also I'm also an avid note taker, and I do when I'm t- when I'm talking. Like when, when we've been having a chance, I've been scribbling notes and stuff, and I think that just shows a sense of respect for somebody that you're speaking to as well. Um, you know, I, I sit in meetings, and, and the person's sitting there, and they've asked me for the meeting, and they're not taking any notes, and I'm thinking you're not going to remember any of this or you might remember some of it. You're not going to remember it all. Um, but for me, taking notes definitely helps to cement um, the thinking in my head. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Um, so let's get a bit, bit, bit more personal um, now. I changed it up a little bit. Um, Scott, outside of work. Um, if you're a teacher, what would you teach? Adults. <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> not children. I do not no. have the capacity for teaching children. And actually, probably I'd struggle with adults as well. I do do some training. Um, but yeah, no, I couldn't teach children. God bless. God bless teachers. That's all I can say. Uh, I echo that. My mum my mum is a teacher, so God bless her too. Um, early bird or a night owl? Night owl, definitely. I used to find, I mean, certainly when I was at college doing my thesis, I um, it would be, you know, I'd grab a, 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 a two-litre or a four-litre of milk, go sit at my desk and be there till four in the morning writing. Um, and that still kind of carries on today. I'll be, it'll be 10 o'clock at night and I'll suddenly get an idea for a blog and just start writing and I might be there for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think I, lo- I love this question because it just shows the difference in our in people who, and how they like to work when when they're at their most in, you know at their best. Because um, I'm the I'm the object of direct opposite to you. I, I love getting up and just nailing things, and then my brain starts to wander off <laughs> as the day goes by, and just allow people to do it when they when they want to. And therein lies the trick of flexible working that we've learned over the past nine months. You know, well, if they're working at home, they might go and put their laundry out, or they might pick their kid up from school, or they might go for a walk around the block. You know what? Yes, they might, but they might still do an amazing job for you. Mm, absolutely. Productivity and output. But, um, so this is an incredibly tough question. I won't hold you to it, but a fav- favorite album uh, and, and what song, if you just need to get fired up, do you, can you, do, do you put on? 
So I put this up on Facebook the other day because I'm old and I use Facebook. And actually, this is an old album from 1996, um, Ocean Color Scene, Mosley Shoals, uh, which is a brilliant album. I love it. Every single song is high energy. It really gets me going. And then more recently, I, um, I came across The Strokes um, album, This Is It. And there's a track on there last night from 2001, which is, which is just an absolute belter as well. It's, um, I like to have that on the Alexa when I'm cooking and just be jumping around the kitchen going mad. Uh, that, that I've got that guitar riff now, the opening guitar riff of last night in my head. Um, I'm going to listen to it afterwards. Um, I don't know whether you know, Scott, but we're we're putting together, uh, probably after about 10, 10 of our first episodes, uh, a Spotify playlist uh, where we're going to put all these songs into a, a like a fire, you know, inspire, inspire club, fire a fire you up song list. Um, and uh, that's a great addition. Uh, Mosey Shoals, that's a blast of the past as well. It's my my best friend's album, uh, favourite album. Like, has that got The Circle, The Day We Caught the Train? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, all of that. And it was um, it, it was their 25th anniversary um, a few years back. And I actually went, I saw them in the Olympia Theatre in Dublin and they just played the whole album start to finish. No breaks, no chat, no nothing. Just the live, just the album played live start to finish. It was great. I hear that music and I just feel like it's summertime. I, I don't know why. I, feel, I just feel like there should be a pint of cider outside and, you know, um so what's the funniest thing that's happened to you recently i was in the car with my son literally only yesterday morning and he was i was asking him about a book he's 11 um he loves reading and i was asking him about a book that he is reading at the moment that he got for his birthday and i made the mistake i said well tell me about the book so i got 25 minutes of, of the book <laughs> i don't have to read the book i know the book back to front now and he said oh, there's a word it begins with m it begins with m it begins with m i can't remember the word i can't remember the word and i was randomly for the laugh throwing out words that begin with m and i said myxomatosis and he went no not that that's a disease that makes your toes cross over <laughs> I went what? And he went, yeah, mix up my toes, mix up my toeses. It's it's a disease oh, that makes your toes. Amazing. I said, do you really think that? And he went, yeah. And I went, okay then. <laughs> amazing. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Um, that that's really good. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna message that to my mum. Um, Rock's old chores. If if you what, what do you leave till last, hoping that some other poor person will do it? Emptying the cat's litter tree. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I think this might be a, a recurring theme. Actually, our first guest. Uh, the sooner uh, we get them outside, the better. Yeah, I had a dog, and it was a similar kind of chore. He left till last. Um, what, what's not 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 necessarily the best film ever, but what's the favourite film for you that you can just if it's on the TV, you can just watch it. Shawshank. Oh wow! Great, and, every, and, and you know what? Probably loads of your guests have said it because it's such a such a big such a big one that was such a failure when it was actually in the box office and and has become so big now. But literally, it is hilarious. I'll, I'll be I'll be flicking around at uh, you know ten o'clock at night, half ten at night. You know, it's bored, flicking around the TV, and it's on, and I'm like, oh god, no! Yeah. And because you have to watch it because you can't not watch it. And um, yeah, there you go. Shawshank Redemption, great movie. Fantastic answer. Awesome. Um, something you've done and ne will never do again. I can't say that I'll never do it again. Um, but my granny, again, of the of the earlier wise words, used to say to me, son, you just open your mouth and let your belly rumble. <laughs> and I think what she meant was it kind of bypasses your brain. You simply just say what's in your head. And I think that probably, you know, I have I have been guilty of speaking before thinking. And, you know, I do what I, I can't say I'll never do it again, but certainly what I have learned in my, in, in, in my, in my 47 years is just to take a pause, 
and just kind of go, if I, if I say this, what's the repercussion going to be? How might the person feel? How might they react? What might happen? So I do, I do think about what I'm going to say a little more before I say it. I can't say that that'll stop me saying it 100%, but it certainly gives me pause for thought. Yeah. Fantastic! Um, really want you to hear my hear my podcast now. This is incredible. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe it, maybe it's the Scottish blood that I've got running through my veins as well, or something. But, but yeah, saying stuff and having a pause is yeah. I, I again thoroughly relate to, to that one. Um, I love the way your grand put it as well. Um, uh, best place in the world that you visited. So we were very lucky. We went, my, myself and my then girlfriend, who is now my wife and the mother of my children, um, we were lucky to go traveling uh, in 1998 for a year and a half. Um, I say lucky. We made the call. We went. Lots of people didn't, and they wish they had. Um, but we went. So we traveled all over the world. I loved Indonesia. Uh, in fact, we were in Borneo. We went to Borneo for three weeks last summer, and it was amazing. 27 hours door to door from our house to the hotel and uh, phenomenal. Um, but the one place that really stuck in my head from our traveling years in, in 98, 99 was an island of, you know, everyone knows Bali. People might know Lombok and the Gili Islands. If you keep going east, you get to an island called Sulawesi. And in the very north of Sulawesi, near the capital, Manado, there's a little island called Bunakan. And if you scuba dive, oh my God, you should go there. It was amazing and i just loved it there and we want to go back with the kids and bring them uh, and i know it'll be spoiled now because i'm sure there's probably a hilton hotel um and a, and, a, and a couple of intercontinentals but um you know it was just it was just special and the people in indonesia were so so nice so nice so um my wife is an avid scuba diver so she won't forgive me how do we spell bunakin b-u-n-a-k-e-n oh i've written that down correctly i'm gonna give I'm going to just give myself a pat on the back there. Fantastic. Well done. And it's actually on the island of Sulawesi, and there was a, there was a tsunami there. I think it was maybe last year or the year before in a place called um, Pulau, and that is that's, that was on the island. So that was that was on, on Sulawesi. Uh, are they okay? Was, um... The whole place got flattened and a load of people died, but I think they're starting to build it back up again. But I was only watching a TV program about it a few nights ago, and it's just you always forget how in countries like that, which are you know largely third world, people are very hand to mouth, that it takes so long. You, know, you just look back at you know Banda Aceh from the the huge um, from the huge tsunami in two thousand and four, and that's still flattened. But people just don't have the wherewithal or the money to be able to rebuild these countries. It's sad. Yeah, well, if they may be going there, we not to support them. So, uh, in in a world where uh, we've yet to have a honeymoon, we got married this year, and uh, obviously haven't been able to go anywhere. Um, Benarkin might be might be the place. Um, so, thank you so much. This is our last question. Uh, it's a regular one too. Um, if you could nominate anybody for us to try and come and be a guest on the Inspire Club, who would you nominate? So I don't have a particular person because I think, you know, the go-to people are people like Richard Branson, those kind of people. Um, I would love to hear from somebody in Netflix, somebody that works in the people in the people world of Netflix from HR or from culture or from comms because we hear a lot, you know, that, that, that Netflix culture book now that you can get has been downloaded hundreds of millions of times. And... You know, when you when you think about their, I think it's it's Netflix that their expenses policy is do what's in the best interest of Netflix. That's their expenses policy. There is nothing else. Just those words. And I just want to know if and you know what the culture is actually like in there. How they build and maintain that culture. How they make it happen. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear more about that. 
Um, I, I'm actually going to name and shame this business now. Uh, I, I will, we will definitely try and try and go and get uh, somebody from Netflix because that's that's fantastic. I didn't know about their expenses policy. Do what's in the best interests uh, of Netflix. I, this is probably 20 years ago now, almost. And it still makes me annoyed. <laughs> annoyed. I, I, I was a struggling account exec, 10,000 miles away from home, not being paid too much money. But that's standard. You're young and you, know, you have to work your way up. And I didn't get my exp- I, I put. I, I lost a couple of receipts, uh, honestly, and I never got my money back because the people in New York, even though we're working in Sydney, wouldn't approve them. And I just, I ne- I'll just never forget it. <laughs> money, money that I put in. Anyway, there we go. Um, sorry to end on that note, but it's, um, yeah, just definitely. That, 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 I, I think that policy is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and, yeah. Again, and it, it, it takes a big level of trust for that to work, obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, so Netflix, we're coming after you. Uh, so to get some more insight from you. So Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, it, I, again, as I said, I've, I've been uh, watching you from afar, uh, inspiring with the content you, you, you create and the work that you do. And it's um, I've, it's been awesome to get to know you more. So thank you so much for your time and sharing all your expertise with us. Matt, thanks so much for having me on. And if people want to listen to the blog or want to read the, or listen to the podcast or read the blog, inspiringchange.ie, all the stuff's up there. They can, they can find all the content there. Fantastic. I'd highly recommend it. Um, and, and thank you from us. Um, we have the Workplace Inspirathon coming up very soon, a 24-hour non-stop event from Sydney to San Francisco, everywhere in between. And uh, yeah, it's free to attend if you're an inspirer. 150 bucks if not Um, but for now thanks to Scott thanks to you and um, see you soon take care bye bye